Well, up here on the screen it says, let's love like Jesus. I want you to open your Bibles tonight to the book of John chapter 11. Excuse my voice, I'm not feeling 100% tonight, but we're here, amen? I'm glad I came. I feel good now that I'm here. John chapter 11, all the crud's been going around. Not the only one that has it. John chapter 11, I'm going to read a story here in a second, but you know how many know that in John 13... The Bible says that uh, Jesus said there's a way that people can know that we were his disciples. How many know what that, what that is? He didn't, he didn't say that if we did miracles or if we cast out demons or if we tithed a lot of money or if we gave to the poor or any of those things would, would mark us. He said, he says, by your love, you will know, they will know that I, you are my disciples. But he said something even greater. He didn't just say general by your love. He said by your love for one another. Amen. Amen. How many know that we all could be better at loving each other and just loving period. Amen. But I want to talk about loving like Jesus tonight. And I want to read a story in the Bible in a second. But how many heard a few months back about a lady in Phoenix who got arrested for leaving her kids in the car while she was in a job interview? Anybody hear about that? I want, I want to just give this example. How many know that when we're talking about love, that we are quick to judge as people? And we hear a situation or a story on the internet or we hear on the news something and we just automatically go, man, that, that lady's messed up. How could she leave her kids in the car? And we, we jump to all these conclusions and we don't ever know the whole story. So I want us to think about that tonight as we go into this story for a second and realize that that God has called us to love. He's called us to be compassionate. Now, we all have uh, bad days, amen, where it's harder to love than others. And we all fall short. That's why God says we fall short of the glory of God. Because we're not Jesus. We can't always love like Jesus. But I believe God wants us to try. And if we could major in love, how many know it would take care of a lot of minors? And I thought about this lady, and I had heard the story back when it happened, and I it broke my heart as I read it, and I thank God that I didn't immediately just judge and say, man, what a dumb mom for leaving her kids in the car. She did make a mistake. She shouldn't have done that. There could have been, enough, even, even, even how she did it, she might have been able to do it different, but if you hear about the story, she was homeless, and she finally got a job interview, and she, was, she had nobody to watch those kids, and I'm sure uh, people, people have talked about it since that, you know, people that know her, of course, uh, talked about her and said that she probably tried everything she could think of to try to get someone to watch those kids let, outside of letting someone she didn't know watch them. And she got to a place where she said, this is my only chance to get income for my, for my kids. And she had an interview, and she, it was in March. Of course, the problem is that she was in Phoenix, and it's hot all year in Phoenix. So even in March, it's, it was probably 100 degrees in the car. But she locked those two kids, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, six in her car and left the windows open and went into the interview to try to get a job. When she came out, she was arrested. And we can all say, yeah, that's what she deserved and that's what, she should, that's what should have happened. But that's, that's not love and that's not compassion. Amen? So I'm just using that as an example. And we don't always know the story. Now, since that happened, some people have 
looked more into, I guess one lady looked into her Facebook and began to look at her story and say that she always was showing pictures of her kids and that she was a very caring mom. And uh, some, somebody all the way in New Jersey was touched by love and compassion for this girl, understanding that, yes, she made a mistake. She admits she made a mistake by putting him in the car. But she felt like she had no other option. You could have said, well, she could have taken him in with her. and she could, There's all kinds of things that you could do after. How many, how many people here maybe didn't get arrested but have done some stupid stuff in your life, but not just because you were stupid, you really felt like there was no other way to do it. Amen? Amen? And somebody all the way in New Jersey said that she felt like it was wrong and that she needed help for her mistake. And they began to get petitions and over 12,000 people have signed a petition to try to help her out. And over $100,000 has been raised for her for her court costs. And so hopefully they can help that person. You know, it's one of those things where, again, you could say as a parent, you know, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't leave your kids in there. They could have died. And all that stuff is true. But the bottom line is we don't ever know the true story of why somebody does what they do and what they're going through. How many know we need to have some compassion tonight? Amen. Amen. Now I want to read a story in the Bible in John 11. And you've, many of you have heard it, but I want to show you something pretty powerful. In John 11 verse 1, let's start there. The story of Lazarus. How many have heard this story? It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he immediately said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. How many know that a lot of times when you're going through something, God is trying to get glory through it? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, lately the Jews have sought to stone you there. And you wanting to go there again? Love will push you to do crazy things. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. One of the things I love about Jesus, let me just stop for a second here, is, and one of the things you have to understand in the Bible, I'll give you a little Bible, Bible illustration here, or not Bible illustration, Bible teaching, is that Jesus is always talking to more than one person when he's talking. He's talking to his disciples right here, He's talking about going to see Lazarus, but he's also telling, he's, he, he just uses that opportunity to just throw out something else that has nothing to do with this situation. That says, hey, I'm going to go and I'm doing something in the light. I'm doing something right. And right will come out right. And I'm not afraid that if I'm doing what God's called me to do, I'm going to be okay, basically. It's funny how he does that. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the studying I've been doing, this is just chase a rabbit for a second, on the end times is that people take things out of context and don't take... See, a lot of you know, you've, been, you've been hearing a lot lately, you know, Robert mentioned that the offering the blood moons, and we just saw that, that's the first of four, and three, three down, and we are in that time, church, we're there. We're, we're in a moment where the seatbelts are fastened in the end times. 
And there's no doubt that, that all this, the book of Revelation is going to begin to come out. And as we look at that, people look at the book, of, at the Bible, and they try to make under, uh, uh, decisions or doctrines about how the book of Revelation is going to play out. And they'll take certain scriptures and they'll just read a part of a scripture. And they'll make a doctrine out of that. And I've, ta- I've told you guys before, and this is going to come back to the love part in a second. I've told you guys before, you have to be careful to make a doctrine out of a verse. You can't do that. You have to take a subject or, a, or a, a, a story or, sorry, a theme like love, for instance, and you have to go all the way back to Genesis, and you have to go all the way through to Revelation, and you have to gather every scripture that talks about that theme, and you have to bring it all together, and then you make a doctrine out of that. And so I've said before that you could falsely, I could make a doctrine falsely. I worked with kids for many, many years. Many of you have heard me say this. Many of you haven't. That I could make a doctrine that only kids are going to go to heaven. I could take the verse in the Bible that says, unless you become as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I could take that one verse and I could make a doctrine out of it and say only kids are going to go to heaven. We know that that's not true, but that's one verse. And so Jesus is saying things in here. And, he, th- and he's, he throws things out and there's all these pieces to a puzzle that we have to bring together. And it reminds me of something that happened on Monday. And I actually wasn't even planning on saying this, but I feel like the Lord's telling me to. Uh, me and Brian went to, at, to play basketball the other night. And we were with a couple of friends of ours that are Christians as well. And we, did, we got done playing and a couple of guys came up to me on the court after we were done. And I had a shirt on that a guy gave me that I really liked. That it's kind of neat looking on the front. And it's got an I-J-N-I-P and I had seen him wear it one time, and I thought it was really cool. And I said, oh, it's a cool shirt. And like two months later, he gave, gave me one. He ordered one. It's like Active Faith Wear. It's a website, and they do these cool shirts. And on the back, it says, in Jesus' name, I, I play. And so I wear it out there, and it's kind of a witnessing tool. And so these two guys came up to me. They were young guys, probably late teens, early 20s. And they said, hey, what's going on? And we started talking to them, like, God bless you. And, I, and so I figured they must have seen my shirt. And and, and they, they said, man, you're, you're really good, and did you play somewhere? And we just started talking, and, and, and I started sharing with them, you know, yeah, it's all about Jesus. And so we just started talking. All of a sudden, he whips out his phone, and he goes, yeah, we just came from church, as a matter of fact. So I was excited. I said, oh, it's good. What church do you go to? And he mentioned that. I wasn't even paying attention to what he said. And he goes, uh, let, me, let me ask you a question, though. We've been doing this Bible study, and I want to I ask you about a verse. So as soon as he started to do that, I knew, something was, I knew there was something, somewhere he was going. And I want, this is a good teaching part here, okay? So he whips out his phone, he takes me to Revelations 22, and he talks about the verse where the Spirit and the Bride say, come. How many have heard that verse before? Yeah. Spirit and the Bride say, come. So he shows it to me, and, and he goes, who's the, who's the Spirit? And, and he asked me, and he goes, who's the Bride? And I said, the well, Bride is, the, is, is, is us. We're the Bride. Church, the church. And so he, then he asked me a question like, well, can you, can you save me? No, can I save you? No, and he's, he's asking me all these questions. And I'm, first of all, I'm wondering if he's a believer and I'm a believer, why he's asking me these questions in the first place. Those are the things you'd ask someone who's not a believer. But anyways, he starts to ask me all these questions. And so then he goes, well, he, he, t- he took me to a bunch of verses. And I'm not going to take, take him to you all, take you to them all. But then he goes back to Genesis and he says, where it says, In the beginning, uh, God, uh, God said, let us make man in our image. And so basically he took, us to, took me to several verses and what he was trying to show me was that there was a, a woman Godhead. Nice, huh? Yeah, where'd that come from? So he's taking to me all these scriptures and he basically is trying to, you know, 
And first of all, I don't really understand where he was going with it or why he was doing it. But I had never heard that in my life. That was a new one for me. And he was trying to say that there was a woman Godhead. So it's, I'm not even going to say the name of it, but I looked it up later, and it's definitely a, a cult, the, the church that they belong to. But I say that because we need to be careful to understand this Bible and what it says, the whole thing. You can't take a verse out and then make a doctrine out of it. And he came up to, I remember one of the first things he said was, we have like 2,500 churches around the world and all these different things. And, you know, the church ain't going to save you. A denomination's not going to save you. Amen. I said, you know what? At the end, it started getting a little heated and uh, that my other friends came around and they, they could tell we were talking. And they, they, and, and they came over and I said, they're saying that, that uh, God had a wife. And my friend was like, wow. You know, he'd never heard that one before. And so, anyways, we, we finished out. I said, you know what? This, what really matters is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Let's get back to Jesus. So whenever anything begins to start being pulled off to something else that's not about Jesus Christ, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that there's salvation in any, he didn't say salvation in anything else. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Amen. So we need to understand that there are some crazy doctrines out there right now and some crazy things being taught. And we need to know what we believe. Amen. Amen. So I just chased that rabbit for just a second, but I'll bring it back because that, that was important. Amen. Now, where were we? So he says, he says that little parable, so to speak. Jesus was always teaching. Then he says, after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I might wake him up. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus was speaking of his death. But they thought he was speaking about him taking a rest and sleep. So Jesus said to them plainly, this is what's cool too, is Jesus first tries to speak in a way that's spiritual. They don't get it. Then he goes, uh, he's dead. Okay, I'm not talking about him being asleep. Thank God, God clarifies. That's verse 15. Lazarus is dead, like, like ice cold dead. Like dead, dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now, there's many lessons in this. I know I'm talking about love, but you need to understand, whatever you're going through tonight, God is working out a lot of things with one situation. He's working out your faith. He's working out your salvation. He's working out your peace. He's working out your trust. He's working out your love. Amen. He's basically telling them, hey, I, I did, I, I'm glad I wasn't there when he died because I'd have had to raise him up right then. And you notice he waited two days because he wanted to make sure he was dead, dead. Okay, not just barely dead. It wasn't one of those 20 minute, you know, close encounter things. He wanted to make sure he was dead, dead. You, you, know, you know, he waited on purpose. So today, if you're going through something, if you're having a situation that seems really dead, don't worry about it if it is. Because Jesus can raise it up. Jesus can resurrect any situation at any time if you'll just believe. Amen? So he says, I'm glad it happened this way. Then 16, Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Dumb disciples. We're dumb, amen? We're just... Paul, what are we? Dumb sheep, right? Dumb. Amen. We're just dumb sheep. 
Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb. How many days? How many know when someone's been in the tomb for four days, they're dead? And they stink. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. I'm getting somewhere. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Thank God for family. Thank God for people around when we're going through something. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now there's the faith. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't be dead. She's expressing faith. She's upset, but she did say, hey, I know that if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know, watch this, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she's still saying, I know he's dead, but you know what? I think you could do something about it. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Amen? So you need to speak to that situation tonight. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says, do you believe this? So he's reaffirming something she already said. How many know sometimes God needs to say, I'm going to make sure you believe. She already said, hey, whatever God says in your heart, do. He's, and, she's, and then he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the light, but do you believe? He's reassuring her. Yes, Father, I believe. So she says, look at this. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is come into this world. Amen. Say that with me tonight. I believe, I believe you are the Christ, are the, Christ the, Son the Son of God, who has come into this world. Amen. We always need to be confessing publicly and privately that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. That's what it all comes back to. Don't get caught up in all the other stuff. Bring it back to Jesus. Don't get caught up in all these other things that the world wants you to get caught up on. Come back to Jesus. I believe if there's one thing you need to know tonight, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That He died and He rose again for your sins. Amen. Now let's keep reading. In verse 28. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister and said, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet even come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then Mary, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down, I want you to pay attention to these next few verses. She fell down to his feet and says the same thing her sister says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Watch this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Have, let me stop there for a second. Have you ever, I hope, been pulled by compassion 
to feel what somebody around you is going through. I hope you have. If you say nope, then I hope tonight that you will soften your heart to, to a place where when somebody else is rejoicing, you are rejoicing. When somebody else is mourning, you are mourning. When somebody else is hurting, you're hurting. I don't know about you, but when I listen to Pastor Marshall on Sunday morning talk about his son, I watched him talk and I was teary-eyed listening to him talk because I was moved with compassion. I haven't lost a son, but I knew that he had and he's somebody that I love. And because he's lost a son, it bothers me. How many know we need to be moved by what moves other people? And Jesus, he, he already knew, watch this, he already knew that he was going to raise Lazarus up. He already knew what he was going to do, yet he was still moved. He could have not even been bothered by that because he already knew he was going to raise them up. He could have looked past that. But he was moved by their pain. He was moved by their trouble. How many know we need to look around as brothers, going back to John 13, 35, by this you will know that they, are, they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Now you can say, hey, I love you, and that's easy to say. But actions speak louder than words. And we need to get to a place where we really, truly love one another, and we're moved with compassion for each other, and we say, I, when you're hurting, I'm hurting. Amen. And if we will do that as a church, church, this, this place will explode. Because people will feel that love. And they'll say, there's genuine love in that place. Now, I'm not talking about an off day or a bad day when we all, that we all have. But in general, we love one another. And the people know, man, there's a genuine love in that family. There's a genuine love in that person. They truly love people. How many want people to think that about you? Amen. They, 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 man, that person's real. There's a gen, I can go to that person and they're not going to laugh at me. They're not going to mock me. They're going to be compassionate with me. They're going to care about what I'm going through. We need to look around as a family that we are. And we need to always, and I believe we do. I'm not, this isn't a con condemnation message. I'm not preaching this because anything's happened. I'm saying we need to continue to love one another and be a family that knows that when one person's hurting, we're all hurting. When one person's rejoicing, we're all rejoicing. When per one person's sick, we're all sick. When someone gets a raise, we all get a raise. When someone gets a blessing, we all get a blessing. Someone loses a family member, we all lose a family member. Because there's a genuine love in our lives for one another. And this is the family, look around, this is the family that God has given us tonight. Amen. We're not concerned tonight with all the other churches in the world that exist that God gave them for their family. That's why all the different churches exist. That we can all have different places that we can congregate together and we can say, this is my family. And just like a real family, families have problems. Families have fights. Families have the things they go through, but they get past them. And how many found out tonight that in church, this family usually, most of the time, is even better than your real family? Amen. They look past your problems more than your own real family does. Amen. Come on, how many have noticed that? Amen. Church family is good family. Amen. Not, not saying you have a bad family. If you have a good family, praise God. But there's something about a church family. That just loves you and they don't, they don't see all the things that are to be seen. Amen. They just see some of it. Thank God. So let's finish up here. Watch this. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. 
And he says, where have you laid him? Now again, don't you think Jesus knew? And they said, Lord, come and see. And here's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. I have to stop there because I have to get you to think about this. Why would he cry? Why would he cry? When he again knew he was about to raise him from the dead. He, he wasn't even 1% in doubt that he was going to raise him from the dead. He was God. Remember that. He was Jesus in a physical body, but he was God. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead, yet he wept. He cried over his brothers, over his sisters. Something came upon him. And I think, church, this is something we need to major in. But you know what? Where do we get that love? Does that love just come upon us? Is that love just there? Is it a reserve somewhere? It's in his presence. Remember a couple weeks ago I talked about the presence of God. When you are in his presence, you're going to feel his love. Amen. When you are, are in a place of, of anger or a place of, of doubt or a place of uh, unforgiveness or a place of resentment or bitterness, you need to get into the presence of God. You need to get into a secret place with God and let God fill you back up with his love and his compassion. Amen. Because how many know if you've been in God's presence, you're not going to be angry. You're not going to be unforgiving. You're not going to be resentful. You're not going to be bitter. You're going to be you're going to be like God. And so when you begin to feel like you are more and more pulling away from the person that you want to be, you might notice that you've walked away from the presence of God. You've walked away from the fellowship with God. I'm always trying to teach you that it's not about the fellowship with God that you have here in the prayer room for a few minutes or in the service for a few minutes. It's the time that you have with the Lord in your house. It's the time that you have in the Lord with, with your, in your car. It's the time you have with the Lord as a family. All these different times, that's where you draw that strength and you are filled with the love of God. Amen? And so Jesus wept. I don't know why the Lord put this on my heart, but he did. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Oh, that we would be accused of being too loving. And some of them said, watch this. Could not this man, this is interesting. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, they don't understand the power of God. The world looks at a situation, like Pastor Marshall said, Sunday morning at famous failures. He looks at people who have failed. The world looks at people who have failed, and they write them off. Amen. The great thing about serving God is you are never written off. You are never done. It is never over. There is hope for you, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you've fallen, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how many times you've done the wrong thing, there is hope for you because Jesus is a God who gives life and resurrects the dead. He resurrects dead situations. He resurrects dead marriages. He resurrects dead situations with family. He resurrects dead finances. He resurrects everything. Amen. If you will just, what? Believe. Couldn't he do this? Couldn't he do this, they said? Couldn't they have kept this man from dying? Let's finish. Watch this again. For the third time in a few verses, Jesus again groaning in himself. 
Now I want you to notice that here that he's not just touched. He doesn't just shed a tear. He is so moved that he is twice we've seen him groaning. You ever gotten to a place where you've wept or cried and it's, it's like that? It's uncontrollable. You're trying to keep yourself from just screaming. You're trying to keep yourself from just, just letting it all out. You're fighting back the tears. He's groaning inside. He's hurt. He's moved. Not by the situation. By them hurting. Not by the situation. By them hurting. That's what should move us tonight. It shouldn't always be the situation that moves us. It should be what's moving the people. Just the simple, because you know what? There's going to be times that you look at somebody, you could look at that woman who got arrested for leaving her kids in the car, and you could just, without compassion, just begin to think how stupid that was, how wrong she was, how dumb that was, instead of having compassion for a woman who was so desperate that she had to leave her kids in the car to go into an interview. See, we're good at judging. We're good at looking at that and saying, oh, what a, what a failure, what a loser. But have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been to a place in your life, maybe some of you have, where you were so desperate that you had to do something like that? It's easy to say, oh, that was dumb. But I'm trying to get you to understand that as believers, we should be compassionate for one another. Amen. We should try our best when we're talking to one another to put ourselves in their shoes. Amen? How many are following me tonight? So he goes to the, to the tomb. And he t- the Bible says, let's finish reading this. Again, groaning in himself, he came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was laid against it. He said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead for four days. Again, people just crack me up. Why would you care? If Jesus is about to do a miracle, why would you care if it's going to stink? Why would you care? You know, why would you care? I'd be like, go ahead, Jesus. Do what you're going to do. Come on. How many know that sometimes we're in some stinky situations? If you're really going to do God's work, you're going to get around some. Let me tell you something. Over the years, I have prayed for some stinky people. I've prayed for some people that were just about on the other side of death. I'm serious. I prayed for some drug addicts and some alcoholics. Boy, when I, in my car, I always had a big old thing of hand sanitizer. When I went to Africa, I carried it in my pocket. You are going to pray for some stinky people. I'm not talking about spiritually. I'm talking about physically. Amen? Physically stinky. People who are hurting. It's, the ministry's dirty business. Unless you're a TV evangelist and you don't ever deal with anybody. Just go get your makeup put on. Did I say that? Yes, I did. 40. Jesus said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Notice he did not do some elaborate 17-minute prayer. Father, I thank you that that you have heard me. 
And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died had come out, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Amen. That's a good, good pre-Easter story right there. Amen. We need to be ready at all times. Notice that Jesus prayed that short little prayer. Father, I thank you that you've always heard me, that you always hear me. But I say this prayer so that they'll know. Notice that he did not, when he got to the place of the miracle, he did not have to say, I'll be back tomorrow because I'm going to go pray and fast for 24 hours so that I can raise this man from the dead. What does that mean? That means we need to be ready at all times. You can't have somebody come up to you and say, hey, I'm sick. Can you pray for me? Well, come to church and we'll have our pastor pray for you. Or come next week. I need to go pray and fast. No, we need to be praying and fasting. We need to be seeking the presence of God so that at any moment we can lay our hands on someone and say, in Jesus' name, I command this sickness to be gone right now. Amen. How many believe what I'm saying? How many get what I'm saying? Love will draw you and push you to do things that you'd never do. By your love for one another, they will know that you are my disciples. Amen. Let's close in Hebrews chapter 4. Go over there real quick with me. Show you one more verse. We'll have some time of prayer. Hebrews chapter 4. How many here tonight want to have more love? I do. I'll raise both my hands. It's, it's what separates us. I said the other day, power of God is one thing that separates us, but love is another. Love that draws us and pushes us to be compassionate for one another, to be patient, to, to care what somebody's going through, what somebody's dealing with. Hebrews 4. Why, why do we love? One of the ver- me, me and the girls... When we were in Costa Rica, I used to learn verses. I'd teach them Bible verses in Spanish. And we had a long list of Bible verses that they would learn, and they would recite them, and they would learn them and memorize them. And I remember, I remember, don't know what they remember, but I remember one of the favorite verses that I remember learning was, we love God because He first loved us. So why do we love because God first loved us? Why should I love because God first loved me. Why should I forgive? Because God has forgiven me. Why should I be compassionate? Because God has compassion on me. Why should I have mercy? Because God has first had mercy on me. Why should I not judge? Because God won't judge me. Now take that in the right context. Because you know there's a different thing there. But everything we do is because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? And because he has paid the price tonight, we have comfort. You know, we have a future that's a good, a future of goodness and hope and, and love and not an expected in, as Jeremiah says, and not of, of, of bad and wrong and death. But look what this says in Hebrews 4.14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. Watch this. 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Weaknesses. But was, watch this, for you that think that Jesus doesn't understand what you're going through, in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Remember that there's nothing that you go through, nothing that nobody goes through, that Jesus has not already gone through for us. Okay, you say, well, at what point, and musicians, you can come, at what point in Jesus' life did he get arrested for leaving his kids in the car? When did that happen? Where's that in the Bible? And you can throw in your story, whatever it is you've been through. Well, when did that happen to Jesus? You know when it happened? Between the sixth and the ninth hour on the cross. When God left him. And every sin that was ever committed and ever will be committed, fell on him. That's when. He didn't have to go through it in his life, although he went through much. He went through it on that cross. We, you know, you could do, I could do a sermon on the cross and his suffering for the rest of the year and never ever be able to explain what he went through. There's no way. Because what we'd have to do is we'd have to have every single one of us come up every single service and give our testimony of all the sins we've ever done, all the things we've ever failed, and all the mistakes we've ever made. And that wouldn't even begin to start even the first five seconds of what Jesus went through on that cross. And I'm not talking about the nails in his hands. I'm not talking about the nails in his feet. I'm not talking about the lashes on his back. How many know that's all physical and that's horrible? I'm not talking about when they tore his beard out and hit him and spit on him and put the crown of thorns and then made him carry. All that is the physical, uh, horrible part of what we're celebrating this week with the death and the, and, the, and the crucifixion of Christ around Easter. And knowing that obviously the greatest part was the resurrection, that he came back from the dead. But man, he on that cross bore our sins and it was love it was love that kept him on that cross for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so you've got God the father in heaven looking down at God the son you've got God the son down on the cross looking up at God the Father. And you've got God the Son saying, why have you forsaken me? Why did you leave me? Ever felt alone? Ever felt down? We can't even compare to what Jesus felt because how many, I'm trying to to get you to understand that all that we felt is multiplied by the entire existence of the world on his shoulders in those moments. So I I could talk about it all night long and never get us to really understand what he went through. And it was love that pushed him to go forward. It was love that didn't cause him to call down the legions of angels when they were saying, you saved others, save yourself. It was love that said, I must finish what I started so that others can be saved. 
so that all of humanity can be resurrected, so that all of humanity can live forever. I love these people. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it was God the Father looking down on God the Son and having to turn His face away from Him. When, when, you know, you can understand that power that they had. They had the power to change things right there. Have you ever gotten to a place you've had to do something very difficult and at that moment where you had to finish what was difficult, you almost pulled back and didn't finish because it was so painful. I'm thankful tonight that God's love pushed him through so that he could say those words at the end, it is finished. Amen. Because he said that tonight, we are able to love. So to whom much is given, much is required. We have been given a lot of love. So we must give love. And we must remind ourselves, Lord, if I lack in the compassion department, fill me up with your love. Give me what I don't have. A lot of us don't love automatically. A lot of us aren't born in a loving family. A lot of us don't know how to love. So we have to learn. And the way you learn is messages like this. The way you learn is reading the Bible. The way you learn is spending time in God's presence and letting Him soften your heart. If you're lacking in that area, God is not condemning you tonight. He's just saying, I want to help you. Because if you really want to make a difference in this world, love is the answer. Love goes a long ways. Amen? Let's pray tonight. Father.